I think a 30 hour work week is perfect. And if you can afford a 30 hour work week, you are both challenging yourself to do better in your career and also have enough time for family, friends, and everything. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 177. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and today's episode, I sit down with my friend Cyrus. When was the last time that you ever gave an audit of your life or took a moment to audit your life to think about the decisions you're making every single day and kind of just ask yourselves, is this how I want to be spending my time? Is this what I want to be doing on a day-to-day basis? This episode really kind of takes a zoom out to the macro lens of not only entrepreneurship, but just overall decisions in your life and making sure that they're in alignment with what you want your life to represent. After a few weeks of going all in on full-time travel a year ago, Cyrus had kind of an internal crisis. He wasn't working, he wasn't making money, and he was spending his days aggressively traveling. And just something internal in Cyrus felt off. This was a goal that he had been working towards for a very long time, but now that he had it, there just something didn't sit right. And what Cyrus learned is something that I've confronted myself with in the past year is that when you put your identity in one thing, your job or being a full-time traveler, for example, you kind of end up feeling lost when that thing ends or you don't want to give it up because you're afraid of who you'll become next, which is kind of silly, but it's something that both Cyrus and I kind of talk about that we've been working through. And all of a sudden you have to figure out who you really are and what you really want in life. This podcast episode is a little bit different than many of the ones I've recorded in the past. Instead of interviewing somebody who is currently out traveling, Cyrus is actually back in what a lot of our viewers call a sticks and bricks after traveling for a year. I wanted to bring him on the show, though, to learn more about how this year of travel influenced his life and some of the decisions that he's making moving forward and how he views this time on the road. We dig into a lot in this episode, and I think it will really resonate with anyone who is going through a life transition or if you're kind of feeling lost or unsure about what it is you want to do next. We kind of ask some of those bigger questions in this episode. Cyrus himself was going through some of these same things during this time on the road and really lays out how he has been able to work through this process. And I found it really helpful to kind of just hear his mental process for how he's making decisions that will help him live a better life moving forward. So all of that high level stuff to get into this episode. I loved this conversation with Cyrus. It was really energizing. And it's also, like I said, a bit of a detour from some of the more tactical episodes that we've had on this podcast. But I also think it's helpful to take a zoom out every now and then and just think about these bigger questions. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Cyrus. Cyrus, what's up, man? Thanks for being on the podcast. Keith, thanks for having me. I think the last time that we actually spoke before jumping on this call was... uh, you hooking up us up with a sweet Apple deal before <laughs> before you left Apple. <laughs> That's and, and true, got yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate. The, the, the Apple computer has worked out really well. It's actually been a point, a little bit of contention for Alyssa and I because I have now three computers. I have a iMac and two okay. MacBooks, and she doesn't. she thinks that's way too many. But what I've told her is at different times, our MacBook has went out, and on a couple occasions, it's like, the dark moons have aligned and they've both went out at the same time. And I'm like, this is our whole business. I would rather just have one sit over there versus selling it for like 400 bucks and need it and use it if they both go out. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I think I still have like my iPhone 5, my iPhone 6, my iPhone 6S, just because I'm like, you know what? I could make a couple hundred bucks or I could just hold on to it and I'll use it for something else eventually. 
Yeah. This is what I tell my wife too. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So I want to talk about y'all's year on the road because you guys, we met at our second RVE summit and then you guys spent the year traveling. So I kind of want to dig in and talk about some of that and some of the projects that you transitioned to after leaving Apple and going to hit the road. But I, I want to continue our conversation from right before we jumped on. I yeah. swear there's so many times when I'm recording this podcast where I like, we, we just like immediately jump into really good, thoughtful conversation. I'm like, oh crap, I want to be recording, but also don't <laughs> yeah. want to like jump on a podcast and just start recording the first thing with somebody because then it's weird and you're, you know, you need to give, tell people that you're recording. So I don't do that. So anyway, sure. we were talking about being in transition and kind of feeling like this past six months for, for us, we've been in this interesting period of transition, like having a baby and figuring out what life looks like with a business and travel and everything else. And you guys as well, you got back from a year of travel and you were kind of just talking about how sometimes it's really hard to sit and be still because there's so many things coming at you. And that's for me been one of the hardest things ever is just trying to navigate how to not always be thinking about the next thing. Every conversation with Alyssa, I feel like I'm, I'm always coming back to what are we doing next? And just instead of enjoying kind of where we're at. So you were saying that you kind of struggled with that too. Yeah, totally. So I think after we launched our road trip in April, 2018, and I, we, the first two weeks were amazing. We're traveling around, I'm not working, I'm not thinking about all these things. We're just enjoying the RV life. And after about two or three weeks, I had this like existential crisis that sets in where it's like, what am I doing with my <laughs> life? I'm not working, I'm not making any money. And I had to like go on this giant path to try to start a business. And then I ended up getting into consulting and I ended up working like 25, 30 hours a week while traveling at a pretty aggressive pace uh, over that year. And I definitely ended up getting burnt out. And then that's why we decided to settle back in Austin because we love the city. And over the last three months, I've just been trying to sit still and calm myself <laughs> so that I can start thinking about and process like, what do I like? What do I not like? You know, these are the type of things that people don't really give a lot of time and emphasis to. And I think that's what I've been trying to focus more on instead of like trying to grow a business or uh, other things. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of in a really interesting, similar place as far as that goes, because it's so easy to kind of just jump in and try to start something if you see a need and kind of not take time to audit what, how do you want to be spending your time? And to a certain extent, I'm excited. You're the first interview that I've jumped in after Ellie was born. I've kind of taken a little break from the podcast and I've been thinking through a lot of these things myself. It's like, what do I want to do next? And how does it all fit together? And so what have you, what have you been learning during this time? Like, what are the things that you enjoy doing? Yeah, good question. So a lot of it is a kind of a separation between what I do in terms of work and who I am and what I actually passionately enjoy. So I think being able to separate those two things out is really important. Like if your work is what you do and who you are, that's like a win-win, but that's not always the case for everybody. And so that's similar to kind of how I approach it. Like I'm, real, I'm good at what I do, but it's what I do, not who I am. And once I kind of separated those two thoughts, I try to focus more on who I am, what I enjoy, and then also just kind of uh, thinking through what makes me excited and passionate about certain things. And then also on the flip side, what gets me down? What makes me struggle? What makes it hard for me to go out and try to solve problems in a, in a more entrepreneurial fashion? So those type of things have been really important. But the, I say the most important thing has honestly just been kind of sitting there and just processing your day-to-day -day life and kind of self-analyzing a lot of ways and then communicating that with someone that you trust or value their opinion on. For me, luckily I have my wife 
Uh, but other people, you know, you might have a parent, uh, which, by the way, who's talked to their parents about life in, in a long time? I, I certainly <laughs> don't call my mom up be like, you know what, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, and they don't do the same. So little things like that can go a long way. It's just processing a lot. And the second piece of that is sitting still for 15 minutes and just sitting there is actually really difficult. And if you can do that, that actually really takes care of a lot of things. I've been trying to do that this past week. And at different times, I've tried to just kind of close my eyes, follow my breath, meditate, I guess, if you will. And it is so hard for me. And during this phase for me, my number one goal in 2019 was to try to get clarity. And I feel like for the first several months of this year, probably the whole first quarter, I just tried to read a bunch, take in a ton of podcasts, listen to a lot of YouTube, talk to a lot of friends, just trying to figure out different directions for our business and, and life and things like that, and actually don't feel like it worked at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and at the end of the day, I that probably makes a lot of sense because it's like, hey, Heath, quit being stupid and just kind of like revert in because you probably have a lot of the answers that you're looking for if you just sit still long enough to try to find them. Exactly. And a lot of that is like trying to consume, you're basically consuming media, right? At the end of the day, a podcast is media, a book is media, you're consuming something from the outside, uh, bringing it in. But a lot of people don't focus on the inside and then how it affects your out. And I think once you kind of separate the two, and just really start to think about your internal thought process and kind of what makes you tick or what gets you excited and gets you happy and sad, those all things, once they start to line up and you've kind of identified what they are, you're now able to go solve certain issues. You know, For example, for me, I actually determined that I always thought that a lack of structure was good for me. I really enjoy this chaos free form, but after a year of traveling in an RV, that is not the case. I actually do need a little bit more structure in my life. But I didn't really think about that until I gave myself the time to think about that. Have you documented any of these things that you're kind of anal like I've heard different ways that people do this. Like I heard one thing, I think it was on the Tim Ferriss show as one of the guests was talking about how at the end of every day, he'll write down, I think it's like negative two to positive two, like how the day went, just how he felt at the end of the day. And then kind of mm -hmm. looking at all the things he did that day to kind of go back and kind of like interweave a theme of like, these are the things that I enjoy and these things take energy from me. Like, have you done any of that or is it just kind of been thinking about it? It's uh, mostly just thinking and, you know, part of what I'm communicating now is what's worked for me and not necessarily what's going to work for everybody. So for him, maybe that's really helpful for him. Uh, for me, it's just kind of thinking and self-analyzing and then kind of just logging it in your mind and thinking about it again later, like two days later or a week later. And sometimes I do document certain things, like I'll write just very concise thoughts that I have that are very siloed. For example, like I had a thought about, you know, my, my dad still works 70 hours a week. And I was like, hey, dad, maybe you should slow down and maybe take Sunday off. And I basically told him that. And he was like, yeah, I'll try my best. And that kind of made me upset a little bit. So I basically just wrote down all the things that maybe I thought I wanted to say and didn't. And that was actually really helpful because it came from a pace uh, I, I kind of got that little, those thoughts that came kind of circulate in your mind over and over again. I documented it and it just helped me kind of cleanse that part of myself. However, I will say what you referenced earlier for documenting at the end of uh, each day, if it feels like work, don't do it, right? If it's something that you actually really enjoy, then do it, right? If it's really helpful, but if it feels like work, then you probably shouldn't want to do it in terms of self-analyzing. Uh, interesting. Do you journal or anything like that? 
I haven't done too much. I have done a little bit different approach. I actually will take creative writing. I'll just write. I'll just write creatively and kind of express my thoughts through that kind of creative writing avenue. So it's a little bit of um, left brain and right brain. And that's kind of been an interesting approach for me. It's not something that I've done extensively, but it's definitely something I've done more than just actually documenting my thought process. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Transitioning out of that, I I think I could talk about this for a really long time just because I've been going through that a lot myself. And I think it's so important because it's hard to kind of get clarity and know what you really are about and probably harder now than ever. At least I struggle with this just because there is so much inbound media and things that come our way that's kind of just distracting. I guess that at the end of the day, we're kind of living in a very distracted time. So anyway, going back to you guys, you and Amelia hit the road a little over a year ago, spent some time traveling around the country in an RV, and you were working at Apple in Austin before, which I'm really grateful for because we got a sweet deal on our computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for, for in y'all situation, like, you realize that you, you kind of need structure or you want structure in your life and things like that. But what was going on at the time, like a year and a half, two years ago, when you guys were thinking you didn't want structure and you wanted to spend a year traveling around the country? Yeah, great question. So I kind of came from a place, there's like the scarcity mindset or there's the abundance mindset. And in my head, I kind of came from an abundance mindset. And what that means is I had a great job at Apple I loved Austin. I had fantastic friends here. And I said to myself, the worst thing that could happen is that I leave and I come and then I just come back, right? I could probably get my old job back. I left on very good terms. My friends are still my friends. And if, if they weren't after a year of traveling, they probably weren't <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. So I basically kind of said, I have everything I want now. So the risky thing to do is to not go travel on the road. And so I kind of came from that abundance mindset instead of saying, I have to do this or else. Okay. And so that was one key distinction. And once I kind of made that decision, it was just a slow analysis of, is this something that I really want? Then I said, yes, okay, what do I need to do in order to get there? I need to start downsizing our space. So we actually had bought in 2015 a 2,400 square foot house. And then we sold that in 2017 and moving into a 700 square foot studio intentionally to see if we could live in a small space with two dogs and two cats, which we also brought with us on the road. And then from there we said, okay, we can do 700 square feet can we do a hundred square feet? <laughs> and we thought to ourselves, sure we could. And that's when we bought the RV, we renovated it in about a six month time frame, And then we hit the road. Do you feel like there was any, like you, you are a different version of yourself at all for having less stuff or did that? I know a lot of people talk about minimalism and I think to a certain extent, people who live in RVs are minimalist by default because you literally can't retain a lot of stuff. Actually, you'd be surprised. I've some I've seen some people on RVs who are semi hoarders, but like we never we transitioned to the, to the RV life after college. We never right. really had a ton of stuff. So, was it kind of like a cleansing process for you guys to get rid of things or not really? You're just like I'll just sell that. I don't need it. It was a little bit of A and B. So, we were similar to you guys in that we actually moved to Austin, Texas in 2014 with what we fit into my Toyota Corolla and Amelia's Honda Civic. That was it. We didn't have a tow hitch or anything behind. Everything from there, we basically accumulated, and we really didn't accumulate a lot. We bought some couches for the house and tables and stuff like that. But once we sold the house, we actually just simply included that in the sale of the house. We're like, we don't want it. We don't, we're not going to need it. It's not going to fit into our studio anyway. So that got rid of some stuff. And then once we were in the studio, 
prior to get hitting the road, we did have a bunch of stuff in boxes and not a significant amount. And we ended up selling a lot of that, you know, about a week or two before our, we actually left for the road. But what I will say is this, what I learned is that you don't have to get rid of everything. I actually got rid of literally almost everything that we had. I really wish I had kept my Nintendo 64 <laughs> and Amelia's PlayStation 3, like this, you know, things that you probably would maybe use after a year or even, you know, two years, stuff like that. I have some family members, they have a huge storage unit and they're like, we need to get rid of all our CDs. And I'm like, no, keep the CDs. You're going to want those. Uh, but get rid of all the stuff that's maybe worth 10 bucks or less that you just takes up space that you're probably never going to use again. What are you, what are you going to do with CDs, Cyrus? So here's a great, <laughs> thank you for asking. You can take a CD, right? You can put it into your computer, then you can uh, basically burn it onto your hard drive. And now with the way that a lot of music's going, you actually can't take music from say Apple Music or Spotify and put it into your videos. You have to like pay for that. Right. But if you have the CDs, you can basically put that into your videos. Yeah. So that's that's the value. Then, there. You, that's, that's then my YouTube worker. will flag it and, and take your revenue anyway. You, that's it, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't think Apple's newest computers are even coming with CD hard drives anymore, are they? Yeah, that's true. But you could probably put in like a USB-C uh, burner or something like that. Yeah, if you really, oh, if no, you really, really wanted to. Really, really wanted to. Yeah. Okay, maybe for some people, getting rid of CDs <laughs> is the right place. For me... I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to this. <laughs> no, you do you, man. I, I mean, who knows? For some one day, maybe our kids will be like, "Oh man, CDs, you know, vintage, you know, kind of like how we are with yeah. vinyl." Even though we never, totally. we didn't grow up in the age of vinyl, but we're we really like buying them and things like that. I mean, I don't have a vinyl, but I know people who do. Yeah, I've thought about getting into it. I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, people say that it sounds different. I don't, I don't, I've never really sat to try to listen to it, so I don't know if it sounds different. So. I've had, I have one friend, he's got a pretty decent uh, record player and he's got these old speakers that fit really well into it. And it does sound pretty good. He was, he played like one of the Jack White CDs and who, which I listen digitally and I listen uh, on a record player, definitely uh, different in a good way. Oh yeah. Nice. So you guys were kind of wanting to basically not defer the idea of travel. Like you just wanted to go spend some time traveling. And instead of being the guy who always talked about wanting to go travel the country, you were like, well, worst case scenario, we'll go do it for a year and then come back to Austin. And so if you're only going to go for a year and you had had a job for a while, did you need to work when you guys were gone? Like, did you guys have enough saved up where you didn't have to work or was it just you wanted to be doing something or how did you make that decision to kind of jump in and, you know, start with Upwork? And we'll kind of talk about what you what you did in a minute, because I'm interested because it seems like you've been crushing it on there. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. So two reasons uh, why I kind of went the Upwork route. One is I mentioned earlier, I had this like existential crisis that set in after three weeks on the road where I just like, I couldn't not work. It was actually a very odd part of my mind that I had to later self analyze. So that was one thing. And then Hold the on, before, before, that, we, before you yeah. jump past that night, I totally forget to ask you like, why do you think it is that like you analyze this part of yourself that's like, I need to work. I have that part of myself too. Like we went to New Zealand a year and a half ago or last year at some point. And I got over there and we had transitioned away from a bunch of client projects and we're in this beautiful, amazing place for a couple months, like once in a lifetime type of trip. And after a couple of days of just kind of hanging out in our Airbnb, I start going stir crazy. And I'm like, yeah. what's wrong <laughs> with me? Why can't right. I just kind of enjoy this time? And we did end up having an amazing time on our trip, but there, there's kind of been this internal struggle for me of wanting to appreciate 
my time that we're healthy and we get to go travel and see the world, but also want to contribute and provide value in my career or business and things like that. So what did you learn from kind of going through that ex existential crisis? The thing that I learned is that I think given how uh, we were raised in America in the times that we were raised was, you know, you go to school, then you have summer off and then you go, you go to college and you go get a job. And then a lot of us, though, in 2009, when the economy hit, it was it was bad. Right. So we're all applying for these jobs. We're all working really hard to try to uh, grow ourselves, grow our careers. And we also are looking up and we're looking at our parents. And I, I don't really know a lot of people around me who have actually retired. Right. They haven't really stopped. So I look up and I say, oh, they're still working. So I still got to work really hard. So they think that's part of it. And the second piece of that is, I think the from an economic perspective, once that recession hit, it was like overdrive. Everyone's got to work really hard to kind of uh, earn those economic resources. And now it's a decade later, and I think people are slowly realizing, like, I can breathe, I can relax, I have enough income to just kind of balance my life between earning money and also enjoying my life. I think that's a big change and shift in mindset over the last decade probably happened in the last two years. So did you kind of have this underlying fear that if you stopped working, you'd get passed up or, you know, another recession can hit or something like that. And exactly. you took time off and you didn't, you know, you kind of didn't make hay while the sunshine kind of thing. Absolutely. Like, okay, if I don't have this business and we were not uh, independently wealthy, we had enough saved up where we're not going to fall off a cliff in three months or even six months. But you know, that there was a cliff. And so I had to, I had this like, okay, we need to make money in order to survive. Part of it was good that I did it, but the other part was that I never took the time to actually enjoy the trip as much as I could have. So it was this, this economic threat that didn't really fully exist combined with this self-driving motivation to continuously be better year over year. And this year, I was the first year that I'm trying to say to myself, it's okay that you may not have improved yourself year over year. But what I'm realizing now is that by doing that, I'm actually improving myself uh, inward, right? So it's kind of like I'm tricking myself. So <laughs> it's it's kind of a backward saying of uh, of still doing the same thing. Well, what was your what was your goal, or did you have one? And that's that's my I guess uh, people go through all these kind of personality tests, and I guess on, at some different time, I've I've scored as like an achiever, a person who always kind of like strives or needs to have goals and. That being said, did you have like a goal for your time on the road? Like, did you guys want to go visit X number of national parks or, or spend more time next to lakes or like any or, yeah. or whatever? Did, was there some type of goal? There was. Actually, it's funny you say that because after the RVE 2018, I think one of the first things we did was list out like 10 goals that we wanted and then we ranked them. I think some of them was like, you know, 100,000 dollars in revenue for our a business and then like 10,000 Instagram followers. And like we had like a list of like eight others, but then, and then we ranked all of them. The number one that we all agreed on Instagram. was that we're all, I <laughs> know <laughs> you'd be surprised, right? Uh, a lot harder than it looks. The number one was that the safety of our, both our cats and our dogs and ourselves was no one, basically no one got hurt. Right. right. That was our number one. And once that realization hit, that was actually really, peaceful because that was my number one priority everyone's safe yeah i like that and, and so it sounds like you're kind of beating yourself up a little bit over working too much on this year-long trip but did you guys still get to see and do a lot of fun things that you wouldn't have gotten to do if you had stayed in austin 
Oh, 100%. So we, our uh, route was pretty much the entire eastern half of the United States. Uh, we went as far northeast as Quebec City. We did Montreal and Toronto. And then we somehow drove around New Jersey. That was like the one state that we didn't hit on the East Coast. And then we went as far southeast as Tampa Bay and Orlando. And we went to Mardi Gras. We went to so many different things. And we timed it really well in terms of both weather patterns and everything. So we got to enjoy a lot. But I think where I'm kind of hard on myself is that it was a blur. It was really fast paced. And a lot of it, I'm still like trying to recollect and remember because I was working and then I was trying to do so hard to go to these different cities and enjoy my time while I'm there. And then we're only there for three or seven days and then we're on to the next city. That's I think where I wish I had maybe documented more or just maybe worked less and enjoyed the time more while we were there. So little things like that. There's kind of two different modes of travel and I'm sure actually there's a lot more, but the two that I think about a lot are one kind of the traditional you work a 40 hour work week 50 hour work week whatever's normal nowadays probably more than that if you're like in a city in austin the other one is kind of what a lot of our friends and that we've done the past few years and what you did was where it's kind of this interesting blended together mesh where you're traveling you're working and you're trying to navigate something that is a totally different method because before for a long time the internet wasn't around so people couldn't do this as easily like if you wanted to travel and have right. a, there there were there have been traveling jobs a long time but the internet's made them a lot easier are you what are, what are your thoughts on those two different situations like do you think that you enjoy just kind of going on weekend trips more with Amelia cuz you can kind of check out with a full-time job or this other path that you did the past year i guess like what are your thoughts between those two scenarios yeah i think the the ultimate balance that I've kind of decided between work and life, I think a 30 hour work week is perfect. And if you can afford a 30 hour work week, you are both challenging yourself to do better in your career and also have enough time for family, friends and everything. So uh, back to kind of the, and how it relates to my situation right now, I'm working about 30, 35 hours a week consulting. But the great part is uh, Amelia is doing the same. So she actually is a contractor also, and she works from home. And sometimes on a, like yesterday on a Tuesday, we're like, eh, it's three o'clock. Let's go to happy hour. Uh, let's go shopping real quick. We need to buy some things. So it allows us to spend some time together and do activities together and kind of breaks up the day also. So then after that three o'clock to five o'clock, say outing, I came home and I worked for a couple hours in a traditional nine to five job. You don't really have that. So then a lot of this stuff gets pushed to the nights or the weekends. And I think if I were to go back to the corporate lifestyle, I definitely would emphasize those weekends and emphasize those nights more in terms of trying to figure out what do we get excited about. And I think a lot of that is stuff that we already had done while we were in Austin prior to this road trip. But now it's like, what's different from that year on the road? And what can we do to really enjoy our time together and also what we get excited about? And I think the last thing I'll say about it is what we've kind of settled on is basically doing these like fun classes together. Like we're, we're signed up for an improv class together. Amy started doing acting classes. I signed up for this cool class where you can take like your uh, a Microsoft Connect. It could scan your body and you can basically import that into your computer and play around with it. Oh, wow. So a lot of these like fun, cool techie stuff that I've always been really excited about, but never have done. So that's kind of what we've decided is who we are and what gets us excited. 
And then we also have separated out what we do, which is the work. Mm. I like that a lot. That's something I, um, I've thought about with this podcast quite a bit moving forward, because for a long time, the sole purpose of this podcast, which some of my friends have called like the most niche podcast ever, uh, <laughs> like people who want to start a business and run it from their RV while traveling full time. And now that we're off the road for a year and, you know, focusing on different things, I'm kind of taking a step back to realize like, no, what this podcast is really about and that what I'm really interested in and what I think a lot of people who listen and engage in the show are interested in is spending more time doing the things they love and having a business be the enabler of that. 100% and agree. And that, that may be traveling in an RV. And for a lot of people who listen, this maybe it is. But for other people, it might be like getting your body scanned so you can like play around with it and go to um, like crazy worlds and i don't know i i don't play a lot of nintendo so i don't don't have a good i don't have a good context there sorry um my little brother if he's listening he would be upset because he's super (laughs) he's a lot smarter when it comes to that stuff but that to me is a really it's a fascinating good problem that we get to work through in this day and age yeah agreed and i think given the current state of or the job market and people's ability to earn income, even if it's maybe not a significant amount, they're able to at least go out and seek it if they want it. And then having that kind of base set where you're, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You have, I don't even know exactly what they are, but the bottom two are just basically like food and shelter. And then from there, it's like self-fulfillment and enjoyment and some other stuff. When the recession hit, those bottom two just basically fell out. So everyone was scrambling for that. And now you have a lot of people who are in that third and fourth echelon who are maybe still thinking from the first and second echelon, but now we're trying to move into that third and fourth and trying to shift your mindset away from that scarcity to that abundance is really, really difficult. But something that I think requires a lot of effort and time. And once you get there, you're like, oh, okay, money is just a tool to get me where I really, really want to go and I'm really passionate about. And once you kind of come from there, it's really, really peaceful. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, let's talk about the money portion. You came from Apple and you said that you originally heard, I guess, Abigail come on the podcast and talk about Upwork. Is that the first time you heard of it or thought about doing it? That's correct. Yeah, I think either I had Googled like consultant website and then heard about the podcast or vice versa. I'm not 100% sure, but they lined up like really, really close to each other. Nice. And after hearing that podcast, I think within a week, I put my profile up on Upwork. And that was the January before we left in April. So I put my profile on there. And real quick for context, yeah, uh, it's been a while since I did Abigail's episode on Upwork. So can you give a quick kind of synopsis overview uh, for somebody who doesn't know what Upwork is? And by the way, we're making a little bit of transition right now. We've been talking about a lot of really fun stuff that I... I love digging into that, but I want to also share a little bit about like what enabled you guys to kind of take the time on the road the past year with Upwork. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So Upwork is basically a freelancer consulting website where anyone with, you can imagine almost any skill, typically technical, but definitely, you know, other people who are writers or creatives, anything like that can go on there and basically put a profile on there. And then from there, people who are looking for contractors can post job opportunities or contracting opportunities. You apply to those and then you get hired. And so it's just basically a giant freelancer website. I consider it like the Yelp of freelancers because there's also a review portion. And that actually is really, really powerful. So LinkedIn is great because it allows you to network and connect, but Upwork is fantastic because it allows you to get reviewed from people who have actually paid you money. And that's really, really important. And uh, once I listened to that podcast uh, from Abigail, I, I took the tools and tips 
that she suggested, put my profile on there, researched other people with the similar skill set who were well-reviewed and also what their hourly rate was. And I basically set my hourly rate to that. And that was in January before leaving on the road trip for April. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, no one reached out to me for a job opportunity. But then after that, after the road trip hit, even after a month of me applying, I still didn't get a lot of nibbles. So I basically just cut my rate in half. I was like, you know what? I know I'm probably worth X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to just go in. I'm going to go uh, undercut the market and I got to build up my reviews. And that's exactly what worked. I got one client. I got a second client. I think my first client was like $300 and I worked 20 hours. I did the math. It's like 12 bucks an hour. It's not even really worth it. But that review was worth its weight in gold. And I was able to slowly raise my rates over the next uh, six months of doing the consulting. And you on your profile right now, I'm on here. It's like Excel slash Google Sheets dashboard, financial modeling and analytics. You weren't doing any of that at Apple, were you? Like this is something totally different or is it similar to some stuff that you were doing? It's uh, similar in its technical skill, but not in its application. So what that means is at Apple, I was doing supply chain management, basically making sure that the supply we had matched up with demand and that if we didn't have enough demand that our supply matched it and vice versa. However, how we did all that was in Microsoft Excel. And you'd be surprised, uh, Apple, you know, one of the, the largest company, we, in that role specifically, use Microsoft Excel almost exclusively combined with some other in-house enterprise systems. But I sharpened my tool set of skills in Excel over that four-year period at Apple. And then I thought to myself, hey, well, Apple's using Excel. I'm sure a lot of other small and medium businesses are using it. So I just kind of took that skill set and put it on and it, and it worked. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you've got 99% job success, top rated now. You have a little blue check mark next to your name. I'm assuming that means you've been kind of like the verified of Upwork or at least verified Correct. through government IT. Yes. And you've done over a thousand hours on the job, over 42 jobs now and over 50,000 earned since you since you created your profile last year, which is pretty amazing for like one year of freelancing, contracting type of work to be able to kind of get to that place. I don't, I haven't looked at a lot of other people who are doing the same job as you, but I would imagine that that's a pretty good trajectory, right? Yeah, the perpetual, I'm hard on myself person is like, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I guess I haven't really looked at what other people have done in a, in a year time frame or something like that, but it definitely was a huge benefit to the road trip because we did enjoy going out and checking out new things and the amount of income that we were earning was zero until this consulting started and you know when you see your bank account slowly start to decrease you start to panic a little bit so that consulting was able to offset a lot of those costs and also allow us to enjoy our time when we were out traveling in hindsight do you think that hitting the road kind of earlier i don't know if you said it on the episode or when we were talking before but you're like you have two babies right now your company and your actual baby do you think that it's a little crazy to like go out and hit the road and have that be kind of in its infancy stage and then also start like a whole new business? Like you probably should start one before the other or? Uh, it's a good question. So we have four furry babies, so two cats and two dogs. And those are definitely a part of our family. So making sure that they were safe is really important. And then from there, it's like, okay, what can I do next? I'm going to start traveling on this road trip and I'm also gonna start a business. So that's three really you know important things in my life. And I would argue that I should have only done the RV trip or the business. Trying to do both at the same time was incredibly 
stressful in its different way, not in its like life is uh, hurting. It's just like there was just a lot more outside influences that you wanted to control that maybe sometimes were out of your control and that in alone can cause some stress. However, if I were to, I would submit to someone who's looking to start a business and go full-time in an RV at the exact same time, don't try to do one before the other and basically try to get your bearings set on one and then do the next one. It's just incredibly difficult to make such a large lifestyle change in terms of living in an RV and also try to start your own business. I was in and out of Starbucks. I've been in more Starbucks than I can count and it's that's hard in its own. Do you feel like you you took away some good key learnings though from starting something on Upwork because you had been working in a corporate role for a long time and now it's you've kind of identified and validated that you can make a I'm presuming this has been close to a full-time income maybe not as good as before but you also have a lot more freedom so what mindset changes have you had from before whereas now you kind of have a little bit more freedom because you know you can do your own thing yeah very good question so i the main benefit that i've identified from upwork and having this freelancer profile online is that now let's say i do decide to go back to the corporate life and let's say i don't want to do that anymore i my profile is still going to be there and i still have those online reviews where i can go back in and start to pick up clients again as I desire to. Or let's say that I wanna save up for this amazing trip and I don't mind working an extra 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week. So now I have that flexibility to go earn additional income outside of maybe my normal nine to five. That's what I decided to go back and do. Okay, the second piece I was gonna say, now if I go try to apply to uh, corporate jobs or additional jobs, I have my resume, which is your standard paper document, and I have this link that I can send them to say, look, this is what other people think about me too. So now it also increases my long-term earning power. And it's not that I earn, you know, 50,000 plus, it's that the reviews that I have from people show that I am a capable person in what I do. And if whether you earn 5,000, 100,000, or even 10,000, that's not really what an employer is really going to probably care about as much, as much as the reviews that show that you've these people have paid you and they've also given you a good review. Totally. Yeah. Speaking of Upwork, like if somebody else is wanting to jump on and get started on Upwork, your rate right now is 77 bucks an hour, which is really good. I'm just, did you start off by cutting in half at 35 or 77 cut in half? So I think I started at 65 and then I cut it to 35. And all this is public, so you guys can basically go in and, and take a look. Um, so I started at 35, and then I think every three months, I raised it by $10 an hour or so. And I went for, and then, but some of the clients that started at 35, you know, I kind of left them in that lower bracket because they gave me, they gave me my start. And they're some of my best clients still. So over time, I increased my rates. And now I was at 65 for a long time. And I've kind of decided that I don't want any additional clients right now. And so I actually raised it all the way up to 77. So that if someone's like, hey, uh, we like you, we want to pay you that much, great, then I'll then I'll take it on. And with each review, did you ask your clients to leave those reviews or did they do them automatically? A little bit of A and B. Upwork does a pretty good job of kind of following up through emails like, hey, make sure you review this person. And then second is I was intentional about communicating to clients that, you know, thanks for the opportunity. The job posting is now closed. Please do leave a review. Uh, it helps me. And yeah. in general, they always uh, more or less always did. Did you ever say no to anybody who wanted to work with you? Oh, yeah. 
definitely. Not in the beginning, of course, when you're starting out, you're like, yay, someone's paying me. But over time, I was like, and it's not that I said no, it was more like, I don't think I can actually help you. Like, I don't think I'm actually good for what you're asking me to do. And I was just very honest and upfront. I always gave like a half an hour consultation. And I think that honesty does two things. One, it, it just a good integrity move. And then second, it, it kind of puts people, it puts you in a position to be successful long-term because you're not taking it on work that you can't be successful at. And your reviews, just like Yelp for a business, are very critical to your long-term success. And I didn't want to set myself up, set, uh, up for failure. Yeah, I'm looking looking at your reviews. I actually, I'm not surprised at all that you said that you did that because I just imagine that if you would have just said yes to a lot of people, then you would have likely had some people come in that weren't a good fit. And then those are probably where negative reviews could stem from. So it's actually really... I'm presuming a good filtering mechanism to jump on that call because if you're a bad fit and you just say yes because you need the money, you're going to get bad reviews and it's you know it's going to end up hurting you way more in the long run. Yes, exactly. It's all about that strategic thinking in terms of is it worth is the short term gain worth the long term loss? Sometimes it is. It, you may just need it now, but in general, I'd argue 80 percent, 90 percent of the time, it isn't. I think having that mindset of a long-term mindset is really, really important for, and I think as an RV community, we kind of already know that. Like if we're going in and we're like taking this crazy risk to go live full-time in an RV and entrepreneur, we're thinking long-term about what we want for our lives and we're taking this calculated risk, but we're sacrificing ourselves in the short-term to possibly get there in terms of starting a business. What do you, what do you feel like is probably the biggest thing that you have learned about yourself? in the past year? It's a very good question. It's it's an accumulation of a few different things. I think the biggest thing is that I generally am harder on myself than I probably should be. And I think giving myself the kind of a pat on the back like you're doing fine is really important. That's been the thing that's been the hardest for me. And, you know, I look at myself and you know, even when you were like, hey, we'd like to interview for this podcast. I'm like, yeah, why? You know, I don't think I'm doing that great compared to some other people. Like you've had some amazing people on your podcast, like American Ninja Warrior, the Harvest Host guy. Like I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like what am I? You know, so it's like being OK with being myself and knowing that successful or not, like I have a I have a story. I have something to communicate and share with people and that, you know, I'm at the age where uh, there's still so much life in front of me that there's still plenty of time to hit that unachievable goal that I maybe <laughs> set for myself and being okay with that. And then also the last thing that I've learned is that if I don't achieve that goal, that long-term goal that I've set myself, that I'm at peace with it and I'm okay with it. And I think that's probably the biggest learning is being at peace with not being over, an overly successful person with a multi, multi-million dollar life-changing business that uh, influences a lot of people like that's something that i think a lot of people want when they're in their early 20s and even just for themselves and i'm kind of being okay not being that person anymore yeah that was like three but those are all great <laughs> yeah i know it was a word vomit right there yeah no i, I love it that uh pretty much my whole podcast has just been a one long word vomit for me so <laughs> thank you so much cyrus for coming on the podcast man i think uh for the longest time my kind of last question that i've asked people is like how do you define success but you know what i i think i want to change that up i think for for a little while i want to ask people you know what's the biggest thing that you've learned in the past year and thank you so much for coming on the show man where is a good place for people to connect with you online 
good question. You could always reach out through LinkedIn or even Upwork. You don't want to create a profile on Upwork. LinkedIn's uh, just fine. Uh, those would be the best places to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me, Heath. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Cyrus. If you enjoyed it or just find yourself kind of thinking about some of these bigger things, I would love to hear from you on Twitter. Hit me up at Heath Paget and just strike up a conversation. I would love to hear kind of some of the things that this episode made you think of. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur. Bada boom, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs>